coming on the clouds Kings and kingdoms will bow down And every chain will break His broken hearts declare His praise Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is a lion And fighting our battles, every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion.
You split the 
upon your people all over this world and God we look to you today we we see you God you are incredible Lord to, to be able to worship you is amazing to be able to worship you is an honor and a privilege and Lord we thank you for your blessing what would we do without your blessing Lord we what would we do without your blessing so we look to you today and we say thank you and Lord I pray your blessing on not only your people here but God, use us to be a blessing wherever we go, God. Cause our lives to be light. Cause our lives to be powerful in your hands as you use us to touch people's lives. Lord, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this moment in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. It is so good to see you. And I'm just, I just wanna say this, I, I, it's Memorial Day weekend. You could be smoking meat at your house right now, hanging out, drinking iced tea, but you are here worshiping God together. So give yourself a hand. Just give yourself a hand today. And uh, we're just so glad to see you. Uh, let's take a few minutes and greet each other today. God bless you guys. 
That's right. You are welcome. We're so glad to see you today. And as you find uh, your seat, make your way back to your seat, I would like to speak to our first-time guests that may be here today. First of all, thank you for being here. We appreciate you coming out. And uh, we hope this is a meaningful morning for you. We have these Connect cards. If you could fill these out, that would be a tremendous help because it really does help us to be able to connect with you and uh, just let you know what's happening here at Praise Assembly. Um, so, uh, and those can be brought to the guest services desk out in the lobby when you leave. So that would be great. And then if you're a guest today, Pastor Brandon and Lynn are going to have you over their house for smoked meat. And uh, yeah, just come on over. And uh, it's just tricky. We don't, we don't really, we just tell you what town they live in, so you have to find them. That's the, the fun of it. It's the fun of it all. But anyways, but we appreciate uh, you being here today. Ushers, if you would come, uh, we're going to receive our morning tithe and offering. And what a great way to worship. And uh, let's pray today as we do that together. Lord, we honor your great name. You're worthy of everything. God, everything we have, the earth, and everything in it belongs to the Lord. And so in our giving, we recognize your greatness. We, rec we recognize your authority, your ownership. And we do it with grateful hearts today. Use it to build and strengthen your kingdom. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.
with me how great is our God and all will see how great how great is our God they stood as heroes in our midst with courage in their hearts and fists. And with each step they faced the call to serve their land, to give their all. They left behind their homes and kin for fields of battle fierce and grim. With steadfast hearts and selfless grace to fight for freedom in every place. They marched across the dusty sands to foreign shores and distant lands. And there they fought with all their might in blazing sun and darkest night. Their names now etched in history's page, a lasting tribute for every age to those who served and fell in line to keep our freedoms ever shine. For those who paid the ultimate cost, their lives laid down, their battles lost, their sacrifice a priceless gain for the freedom we proudly claim. We honor them with every breath and cherish them beyond their death. Their bravery a beacon bright, guiding us through the darkest night. So let us pledge with all our might to keep their legacy shining bright and hold them close within our heart, their memories never to depart. Words cannot express our gratefulness. Amen? Hey, we have a few announcements today that we'd like to make. And um, youth camp, the balance will be due next Sunday, the 4th of June. Uh, Sam Kramer, where are you at? There she is, right over here. She is going to be, if you want to give your camp balance, uh, if, if you want to put it in the offering, you can put it in an envelope. Mark, put your, your son or daughter's name, put it on there, that's fine or you can give it to Sam, she'll be ready to receive it for you and get that turned in. So that is next week. Also, on the same day, the Children's Workers Class Recertification will be after the service in the chapel. So this will be people that have, you're already active in kids ministry here um, at Praise, and you just need to recertify every year we do that. If that's something you do, it'll be quick, it'll be painless, it'll be like, um, you know, just like voting, just really easy. You walk in, cast your vote water. I mean, it'd just be very easy. Lucy will take care of that next Sunday um, after service in the chapel. Uh, also, that following Wednesday, June 7th, for those of you that are members and you've never worked with kids but you're interested in that, this will be a class very important to you, and that'll be Wednesday night at 7 p.m. So it'll give you time to get out of work. Uh, grab some dinner real quick and head on over here, and that's happening on the 7th. You have the dates for uh, Praise Youth. We have Guppy Gulch, the uh, Summer Serve, and Towers Beach. Those are things that are coming up. Make sure you make note of them and, uh, uh, and continue to celebrate here. We got that announcement in regards to our missions giving for 2022. 20, uh, and uh, in regards to our kids worker, let's do this. Let's watch this video real quick about an opportunity to serve at our Summer VBS. Before VBS, I was a chef at a fancy restaurant just down the street. Retired. 
I'm a mom to two beautiful girls and a dance coach. Before VBS, I taught middle school gym. I lead a small group for teenagers. Who would have known that it would all lead to this? <laughs> oh yeah, I let my granddaughters dress me up. But that's why I was so ready to get dressed up for the skits. I get to create masterful, theme-inspired dishes for snack time. Outdoor activities, they're my jam. That's why I love leading games. I love to dance. I dance at the coffee shop. I even dance when I'm watering my plants. That's why I jumped at this opportunity. High fives are essential for crew leaders. That's why I've been working hard on the High Fiverator 2.0. The reward? It's the kids, hands down. They inspire me. The kids' bright, shining faces. When the kids are happy, I'm happy. Making sure they have fun makes it all worthwhile. You have what it takes. You have what it takes. You have what it takes. Will you step up? One of the things you, you, you realize about church ministry in general is that everyone thinks somebody else is doing it, right? Oh, I'm sure Rangers has plenty of leaders, or, you know, I'm sure that Girls Ministries has, you know, plenty of that. They've, they've got this covered, or youth is fine, you know. And the reality is, is that there's always a tremendous need for people to serve. And so when it comes to VBS, don't think somebody else will do it. If you have, you know, I, mean, I'm, 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 I want to help out. Maybe you can't do it during the day. Maybe you work during the day, of course, and that'd be tough for you to do it. But you could come out early, help with certain things ahead of time. Talk to Lucy. And I know she would be more overjoyed to be able to have, uh, have your help in serving uh, when it comes to VBS that's coming up. So definitely make a note of that. So today is the final church of the seven churches of Revelation, the church of Laodicea. And uh, we have, I, I tell you, as a church, we have given, we have given you tremendous opportunities to be able to learn um, about the book of Revelation. Uh, we've had a, a series with seven churches we've talked about here on Sunday mornings. Uh, Dwight just started a, a series about uh, Revelation in, the, in, uh, in the, the adult Sunday school on Sunday mornings. We've had a Wednesday night going book by uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse of the book of Revelation. If you don't know about the book of Revelation, you don't have a clear grasp of it by the end. We, we, can't, we can't do anymore, literally. And so, but we're so glad to be able to, to uh, look into God's word and this part of God's word here, the book of Revelation. And uh, we're going to be in chapter 3 today. We're going to be beginning in verse 14. And uh, this church is unique in this way. For some reasons, and we'll talk about those, it, it couldn't see how things really were. Has that ever happened to you when you, you're cruising along in your life, you know, you're, you're just clipping along, you're living life, you're working, you're, you're serving, you're whatever, you're just, you're just living life, and all of a sudden something happens or someone says something, and the reality of what your life is really like just kind of slaps you in the face. It's like you just... You didn't realize something about your life. You didn't realize maybe the state of a certain relationship you had. You didn't, you didn't realize what was going on with your kids, or you didn't realize what was happening in your marriage, but something happened, and it just kind of just jumped out at you. 
this is how things really are. Or maybe some of you look in the mirror and you're like, wow, one day you looked in the mirror and you're like, who is this person I'm looking at? They don't look like the same person I have known all these years. Maybe there's a few more wrinkles or whatever it might be. But this church, the church of Laodicea, could not see what was really happening with them. And we're going to read about this. Uh, verse 14, Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. It says this. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. Now I'm reading from the NLT this morning. So these are the ways he describes him. The amen. When you pray at the end, you say what? Amen. amen. Let it be done. Let it be. You know, what I just called out to you, God, what I just said, let it, let it be. Let it happen. And so uh, as he's saying this, he's the amen. He's the one that gets it done. He's the one that, that, that makes things happen. He describes himself as the faithful and the true witness. Uh, he is seeing things clearly and accurately. He's a faithful and a true witness. I, I, how many have had this experience where you'll, you'll, maybe a husband and a wife or just two people, you see an event and, you know, maybe a car accident and you're talking about it later and one of you thinks the car was blue, the other one thinks the car was yellow. Has that ever, I am the worst. I would, if, if I witnessed a crime, I would probably just say a man, um, he was either uh, black, white, or Hispanic, and he was somewhere between five feet tall and six foot ten. Sometimes I, just, I miss things, okay? Is that, maybe that's for some of you here. I would be, in, in, in certain circumstances like that, I'd be a terrible witness. But Jesus, he is the faithful and the true witness. And it says he's the beginning, which is a divine title. Uh, during that time period of this letter being written, Caesar was, was the beginning. He was the, uh, it was a title given to him as uh, first among the Roman citizens. He was the beginning. And uh, of course we understand and know that this is a title of Jesus being beginning before everything, not being created. But uh, he is the beginning, a divine title for him. Verse 15, we'll continue on. This is where it gets a little unique for this church. I know all the things you do and that you are neither hot nor cold. And I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And he says here, the NLT says all the things you do. The NIV says, I know your deeds now, in Ephesus, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and now this church in Laodicea, Jesus says in his letters to these churches, I see your deeds. So five out of the seven churches, he says, I see your deeds. One of them, he says, I see your suffering. But to these churches, I see your deeds. And uh, what should this tell us? That our deeds are seen by God. And that's, that's, that's terrifying news. And highly encouraging news. I think sometimes we think when we, when we do the right thing in a, in a, in a moment, in just a, a split second, we, we choose what we know is good and right. And, and no one, there's no clamoring. There's no one saying, wow, great job. It's just you do it and that's it. He sees those moments. He's, when no one else sees them, he sees your deeds. 
And that's encouraging. Because, I mean, how many here, you do things no one's ever going to know, no one's ever going to see. It was the right thing. It took you a few extra minutes. It maybe cost you something. But you did what was right. And you wondered, does, does, any, does it even make a difference? Well, the good news is that he sees our deeds. And by the, by the flip side of that, too, you know, he sees all of our deeds. Amen? Thank you. And he sees all our deeds, and, and really these deeds are merely an outward indicator of what's happening in the unseen parts of our lives. See, the book of James, he, he writes to people that love deeds. They loved uh, works and things to do, um, the Jews. And the book of James is written to these people. And so uh, the fact that God sees these deeds is significant, and James speaks to the significance of these deeds. James chapter 1, verse, uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 22 to 24. He says about this, about deeds, about works. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. And he continues on in chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? And he poses this really important question. Can such a faith save them? That's important. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. And if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is what? Dead. And so here, Jesus is saying to this church, I see your deeds. I see what you've done. And uh, when it comes to our deeds and our, our responses in life to what's happening in here and our deeds that come out of that, um, haven't you seen this to be true when it comes to dating? You know, dating is as good... Uh, uh, let me rephrase that. Um, when you're dating... You're putting on your best self, right? I mean, you are, amen, you are putting on your best self. I mean, you will walk through fire to be able to give her a glass of water. I mean, I don't know, just, you just, you will do whatever it takes. You will smell good, look good, you know, act right. You know, all these things that we, that we, we do to, to endear ourselves and, and, and cause our lives to be attractive to somebody else. And so if even during dating, that person really isn't, they're really not doing anything special. I mean, just run, just run really far, really fast, quickly get, if they don't, don't even bend over to pick up, anything, just don't even, just go, just run right now, I'm telling you. Because dating is as good as it gets on, on that way. And then, and then, of course, you get married and you're able to, to nurture that, correct? And we still do those things, smiles everywhere, all over the place. Yeah, that's what we do. That's what we do. Sports, I mean, are you going to believe an athlete 
that just does the minimum, that they're committed to their sport. You know, they just do the minimum. You know, hey, if, if I'm supposed to be here at, at 10, I'm going to be here at, you know, 10. You know, uh, it's, it's the, the, the athlete who's in early, does the extra work. Then you believe that, wow, their deeds are showing that they're devoted to this sport. They are, they are committed to it in every way. Or how about work? Somebody says, man, I love my job, but they, they can't wait to leave. They, 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 they hate everyone they work with. They, you know, they, they, don't, they don't do anything extra at all. You know, they're quiet quitting maybe. I don't know. Um, but, but they love their job, you know, and you're, you're like, really? That, your deeds are not matching up with, with what you're saying. How about a commitment to Christ? Uh, this is convicting. I mean, you guys only get to hear this once, you know? So count your blessings. I get to hear this for the past two weeks, just like God just pounding, uh, you know, in a, in a loving way on my life and just Hans, you know? Uh, but you look at this, when it comes to your commitment to Christ, when it comes to your love for God, I mean, does it, do, you, do you go out of your way for Jesus for anything? I mean, does everything have to be convenient? It, it, can he call on you to be a light to somebody else? Or, you know, God, Jesus, I really can't. You know, I mean, where are you at? I mean, is, is your commitment, does, do your deeds and your commitment to Christ, do so they match up, do they reflect each other? And again, just reiterating this verse we just read, because you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you're lukewarm like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now remember, the book of Revelation and these verses specifically were written to a very real, very present church. And these letters they understood was, was being written to them. Laodicea, they lacked a real natural water supply. Um, they got uh, from uh, hot water they were able to get from Heropolis, and cold water from the mountains was, was, was piped in, funneled in, brought in six miles away. And so here they are, and by the time this cold water uh, that from the mountains gets to them and travels down, it's, it's already lukewarm. And they don't have the access to the hot water. They have to boil it or whatever. And so for this very, very affluent, which we'll talk about a little bit more, this wealthy place, the complaint, the common complaint was the water. It's like, eh, you know. Uh, and, and I guess it's kind of like that, that expression, first world problems. You know, like it's great here, but the water's not, it's not that great. You know, I mean, it'd be like a, a problem that the world would say, at least you have water. But for them, it was a real issue. It was something that was just kind of known for. We don't have our own water supply. You know, we get it. We don't, we don't have the hot springs of Heropolis. We don't have water coming right off the mountain that's nice and cold. And how many appreciate coming into summer really cold water? And for those of you people that want to say, hey, it's actually better to drink lukewarm. Yeah, I don't care. Like, what? go drink your lukewarm water. Go ahead. Have fun. Because I have biblical support that tells me that cold water is better, okay? So take that. You know, hot water, who doesn't like a hot, especially in the winter, a hot spiced drink? Mm, you know, like, like apple cider or, or some type of a you know, warm drink, um, a latte, chai, you know? 
pastor knows all about these things. He is, he is the man on chais. And uh, I mean, who doesn't like, who doesn't like a, a hot shower? Well, it's better to take a cold. Yeah, okay, take your cold showers. I don't care. Hot shower, you know, just a nice hot shower, burns your flesh off your body, you know, that kind of a situation. Uh, who doesn't like uh, warm, hot water? And again, cold. I mean, there's, there's nothing refreshing like, like a cold drink. And he says, you're neither one nor the other. It's like you're useless. It actually, there's a parallel as far as the, the, uh, the comparison he makes. If you look over Matthew, uh, you don't have to go there, but if you look in Matthew 5, 13 to 17, it's not in the slide. There's a comparison to, like, what good is salt if it loses its saltiness? It's just good for being thrown on the ground and trampled by men. You know, it's, the, the, the real value in it is gone. It doesn't there anymore. It doesn't exist. And uh, what good is light if it's hidden? There's no value in that. Why would you take light and then, and then put a basket over it or cover it? It's, it should be like a, a city on a hill that you know, provides light. You know? it's, that's what it should be like. And he's using, uh, Jesus is using that same or similar comparison here when he's talking about you're not hot, which has value. You're not cold, which has value. You're lukewarm. And because of that, you're just kind of useless. And a better word would probably be the word indifferent. Have you ever felt indifferent towards something? Now, as, as many of you probably know, I, I was born and raised in Massachusetts. Woo! And so um, last night the Celtics played, and uh, I got to watch the game. I usually don't stay up that late on a Saturday night because I just don't. But I watched the game to the bitter end, and it was just a, a few seconds left. And I said to myself, if they, if they pull it out, I'll be glad. If they lose, eh. Like, I'm kind of indifferent. And, and I, I didn't used to be that way. I just, I just don't care anymore about, I just care about different things more now. And it's fun to watch, you know, sit with my kids, watch the game. It's, it's a good time. Now, if the Patriots lose, I'm feeling a little less indifferent. But, 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 with the Celtics, I could just kind of take it, you know, it's kind of, I'm kind of indifferent towards it. You know that feeling? You, I don't really care who wins. Maybe some of you feel like that way in the Super Bowl. Um, some of you might meet someone that your child is dating and kind of be like, hmm, you know, you're kind of indifferent towards them or, or you know, indifferent towards, like, you know, have, you been to, have you been to that chicken place raising canes? You know, you might love it. You might hate it. You might be like, hmm, you know, just, just whatever, indifferent. And the indifference of their deeds, and this, you know, getting back to the church in Laodicea, the indifference of their deeds really was repulsive. To us, we, we, when we feel indifferent, we kind of, huh? But the indifference that this church had, the, the not hot, not cold, repulsed Jesus. And he says, I'll spit you out of my mouth. That's pretty... You know, that's pretty hard. That's pretty significant. And uh, their deeds are really a symptom of their true condition. And not only are their deeds are a problem, but as I mentioned before, they are blind. And this is the scarier part. This is, the, this is where we live. This is, this is something that, that, that we could be familiar with. This is some place where you or I might be at. And this is very important here. Um, the blindness to their condition. Verse 17. So he, he says what he says about their deeds. Hot, cold, he says all that. 
spit you out of your mouth. He says all that. And then he says, you say, like he's, he's quoting them. He's, he's sharing what they really think. You say, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I mean, we all can be off the mark sometimes, but they are so off the mark. They're thinking they're rich. I've got everything I want. I've got everything I need. I don't, I don't need anything. I'm fine. Everything is good. And things literally could not be more incorrect, could not be more opposite. Have you ever not accurately seen things as they actually are? And there are very serious conditions that people have psychologically that cause them not to be able to see things as they really are. If you've ever, uh, uh, maybe you've experienced that yourself or within your family or, or extended friends, somebody who has anorexia or bulimia, and you know, they're, they're extremely thin, but in their eyes, in their perspective, something's still not right. Something, you know, that's still too big in this way or too heavy or too fat in this way. And to, to the rest of the world, they're literally skin and bones. But to them, it's, it's not right. It's, it's disgusting. They don't see things how they really are. People that have suffered from schizophrenia and have hallucinations and, and delusions uh, would see uh, certain relationships or situations in a certain way where they're not that way at all. And so these are very serious things that, that happen psychologically in people's lives. But on a, a more common note, have you ever been like a, a high school student? Maybe you're a sophomore or a junior or senior. And, and there's some aspects of your life where you're still living like you're a seventh grader. You know, you don't, you don't take care of certain things or you don't worry about certain things or you're like, ah, whatever. And then all of a sudden you get slammed in the face with the reality of your life. The reality of your life is you're going to have to make a decision about where you're going to work or where you're going to go to school. And you have to begin to step up because the delusion you've been living in is that, is that your life was like it was, you know, five years ago. And you're like, wow, <laughs> there's things called car insurance. I've got to help take care of maybe or I've got to do that or I've got to be more responsible. or I've got to do this or do that. And so it happens in our everyday lives. Maybe that's happened to you. Maybe you can relate back to high school when that happened to you. When you get to middle age, you know, somewhere between 40 and 60, and you get there and, and your brain says, you can do that. Your brain says, you can do that. And your body says, if you want to get hurt. I'm going to youth camp in three weeks, three weeks from tomorrow. Right? This is like my 90th year at youth camp. I'm not kidding you. I've gone to youth camp. I think I, I was there when they invented youth camp. And, and there are things I'll watch and be like, if I do that, I will go home in a cast. You know? Um, and there are things that, that you think you can do. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's not that you can't do anything. You just have to be more selective on the things that you do do. And then you think things like this. I know what looks good for clothes. No, you don't. You do not know what looks good. You do not know what looks right. You need people that love you in your life to help you with that, to talk you through and talk you down certain things. 
your reality says, I can do this. I know it looks good, but, but, the, but the reality is. Your delusion says, but your reality is it. No, you don't. Not really. Not really. And then for senior adults, they don't even care. They're like, I'm doing what I want. You know, I've been, I've, been, I've been doing this for years. I'm going to do what I like to do, you know. And I don't care about what other people think anymore. I'm done with that. You know, the joy, one of the, one of the what some people tell me, one of the few joys, joys of getting older. And, uh, but this final church in Revelation, Laodicea, they had this problem that they could not see things as they really were. And it's interesting because the Holy Spirit, he has a way of showing us reality. Now, we have things like his word, which is super uh, critical to the life of the believer. Uh, when you have his word, he's able to see, you're able to look into it and be able to see my life. You're able to see your life. You'll be able to, uh, to, to, to make decisions and choices on, on a set of principles that are eternal. Those, that is the ultimate way that God communicates with us. But he also, he also uses those that love us the most. He might use a spouse to communicate with you. He might use a child to communicate with you or a sibling to communicate with you to be able to snap you into reality. This is really how things are. He may use an argument that you had. And after that argument and that blow up, all of a sudden God just says, see this, this is why, or this is what I want to see happen in your life, or this is what I want you to do. So even a bad moment God can use to be able to uncover your eyes and my eyes to see. Uh, even a victory, you can uh, reach your goal, do the things you wanted to do, accomplish what you'd hoped for, and you get there, and then you're like, wait a second, this isn't what I thought it would be. And you begin to rethink, man, what do I, why am I working so hard for this? And this is over here is really what is most important and what I care about the most. So God can use all kinds of things to be able to help you and I be able to see things as they really are. Here's one that I think relates to the church of Laodicea. And we can relate to as people because we've all said it. We've all thought it. And uh, it's this. Haven't we made the mistake to say, boy, God is really blessing me. I have this or I got that or I got to do this. And again, um, I'm, I'm tempted to throw out caveats to this, but I'm not. I'm just going to say it. And then let the Spirit of God speak to your life as he would. We don't say, God is really blessing me. I have been suffering persecution or trials. When his word actually says, James 1-2, Dear brothers and sisters, when, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it a great opportunity for joy. We don't, I don't say that. Maybe you do. Praise God. Maybe you should be up here. I don't know. But we don't often say that. Boy, I've been going through trials, and I tell you, I am, I am literally, uh, I mean, as hard as it is, as challenging it is, I am rejoicing that God is with me. I'm rejoicing that, that, that I can endure this with his help. I mean, uh, we, don't want to, we don't typically say that. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. Listen to this. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you, and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad, 
for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. I don't know about you, but I think we need to expand our concept and our idea of God's blessing in our life. Because we oftentimes narrow it down to, I got what I wanted, I have the best thing, uh, I, I received this, I got that, and it's a pretty small way of looking at the blessing of God. And I get it, and I, again, I'm tempted to speak a cat and be like, well, but I'm not. It's just, this is what the Word of God says, you're blessed when these things happen. So, we might need to expand our idea of God's blessing. Then Jesus, he prescribes a solution for this church. So here's this church. This is, this is kind of what's really happening in their life. They're pitiful. They're blind. They're poor. They're, they're in a desperate condition. But they think, we're good. We got everything we need. We're good. We have all the riches we need. We're fine. Verse 18 says, so I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also, buy white garments from me, so you, you will not be shamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes, so you will be able to see. Verse 19, I correct and I discipline everyone, <clears throat> excuse me, everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. See, Laodicea was a proud place. It's a prosperous banking center. Uh, in AD 60, around that time, they had a massive earthquake. And they actually refused financial help from the Roman Empire because they wanted to rebuild on their own resources that they already hadn't possessed. So they're a proud people. Maybe, you've, maybe you're like that yourself. Um, maybe you've met people like that. They really don't want help. They would just be as happy to just to do it themselves. They've got the tool they need to do it. They've got the energy. They've got the skill, the know-how, and they just would rather do it themselves. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but you've known people like that. And here's the people of Laodicea. They, they uh, culturally, they have what they need and they want to do it themselves. Um, he also con uh, contrasted them white garments when Laodicea was famous for black wool. And so there's a contrast there he brings. And uh, also, it's a, a, one of the, the incredible things about Laodicea is that it's a, it's a medical center. It's a place where there's a, some type of uh, school, medical school there. And they had this eye salve as more of a, a powder that you would add uh, uh, something to. Uh, but it was called the Phrygian eye salve. And they were very famous for that in dealing with eye infections. If you ever had stuff going on with your eyes, that's pretty terrifying. You know, you want your eye. You kind of need those bad boys for the rest of your life. And when something happens to them, if you can get relief or, or healing, that's, that's powerful. And so here um, are people that they really, economically, they have what they need. They're intelligent. They have all kinds of medical resources. Um, there are people that... Um, that, that have uh, textile things happening. We're able to, to produce things. I mean, this is a, a happening place. This isn't a place where you're like, wow, you know, it used to be like Detroit. Oh, Detroit used to be this, but now look at it now. This is, Laodicea is the happening place. It's the place when you can say, I'm good. I'm rich. I've got everything I need. I literally 
have it all. I mean, in a lot of ways, don't you see that as us? As a nation, we've, we've got it all. You don't have it? Break out your app. Amazon will send it to you, maybe even today. You know? You, you get it? You know, we've got, you know, uh, Nemours Hospital, Children's Hospital up the road, your kid's sick, bam, you know? And I'm, I'm praising God for all these things, but isn't that interesting? The church in Laodicea. They had fallen into a trap of believing that they had everything they needed within themselves, within their culture, within their community. They just had everything they needed. And again, isn't that a trap for us? Isn't that a trap? That expression I used earlier, first world problems or first world problems. I mean, there is, there is a challenge that is unique to first world countries. Affluence and wealth produces its own set of challenges. And you wouldn't think that. You would think, well, you, you've got everything you need. You, you know? and, and, and that end of it is true, but it literally blinds you sometimes to seeing how things really, really are. And Jesus is advising them, you must turn to me if you want to actually become alive and if you actually want to get out of this desperate situation you're in and you want to become rich, you need to come to me. And verse 20 says, look, I stand at the door and knock. And if you hear my voice, open the door. I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. So once again, Jesus is the initiator. He says he stands and he says, uh, he said, I stand. He said, I knock. He's always the initiator. How many know that about your life? The only reason that you know Jesus today is because he initiated it. He's the one that called out to you. He's the one that used that circumstance in your life for you to be able to reach out to him. He is always the initiator. And I didn't ask him before, but if Pastor Brennan can just come to the keyboard for a moment, that'd be great. But I stand, I knock, and our response our response is this, if you hear and if you open the door, if you hear and if you open the door, that's, that's our response. See, we, uh, we, can't, we can't make God do anything, but when he calls us and he reaches out to us and he makes us aware of something, what we do is we respond. We hear and we open that door. And then Jesus says, if you do that, he says, I'll come in. We will share a meal together as friends. I'll come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Not like, okay, once you've been really good, once you've kind of cleaned up your act, then I'll come in, we'll have a meal. Once this place that's a mess is taken care of, then I'll, then I'll you know, come in and we'll, we'll actually have a meal together. He says, no, as you are, I want you to come in and we will have a meal together. This is how you are victorious. In the last verse, it says, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. So how do you address indifference in your life? It's hard because sometimes it's hard to see how 
things really are. It's challenging at times. Uh, busyness can cause us not to be able to see wealth at any level. Affluence can cause us not to be able to see. And we have a culture that, that does not feed the working in the Spirit of God in our lives. So how do I address indifference? If God in His Spirit, by His power, if He's speaking to you today, if He's communicating to you today, there's this, this uneasiness. And, and not even just an uneasiness, it's an uneasiness with a longing for more. See, that's what Jesus does. So the devil's like, you're trash, you're trash, you're garbage, you're nothing, you'll never change. That, that's the voice of, of the devil. The voice of God is, come, come to me, come to me, you, come to me. I have something that no one else and nothing else has. That's the voice of God. Turn, come to me. That's his voice for you and I. So the first way you address indifference in your life is you accept God's assessment. You accept his assessment. You may not like it, I may not like it, but I accept it. You've had to do that in life. Someone else said something to you and gave you an evaluation or spoke in a loving way but hard way to you and they made an assessment and you didn't like it. But you know what? There's a part of you that said, I, I have to accept this. I have to, I have to receive this. And if God's Spirit is speaking to you now, the first thing you need to do is accept His assessment. We're not the church of Laodicea, but He uses these churches, He uses His Word to be able to call us. And the second thing we're to do is to open the door. Maybe in your mind, and, and I, I think this is a, a part of meditation, maybe in your mind, you just, you're sitting here today and you just... Imagine a door in front of you and imagine yourself with your own hand reaching out and grabbing that doorknob and turning it and opening it and just saying, God, I invite you in. I, I, I invite you into places I've shut you out. I, I invite you into places where I haven't depended on you. I've trusted in what I have or what I know or, or resources. I, I trust you today. Open the door. In a moment, I'd like to invite you just to come and spend time in prayer. I, I, I so get that it's Memorial Day weekend. I, I get it. I get that there's other things going on. But I'm telling you, all these things in the light of what God wants to do in your life. Maybe it's confession. Maybe it's believing God for something that you've given up on believing him for. But he's inviting us today to come. So as Pastor Brandon just plays, he's just gonna just gonna play and minister to us that way. I invite you now. Could everyone uh, that's here stand to your feet if you would? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And as we just worship together, if you want to come find a place of prayer. All around these altars, we have stairs here. We have the actual altar there. Feel free, come. Maybe this to you, this is opening the door. This is saying, God, I hear your voice. I hear your voice. I hear what you're speaking to me. God, we honor you today. We worship you. We worship, Lord. We open that door. We say, God, come in. 
This place belongs to you. I belong to you. Yes, Lord. We honor your mighty name. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your loving kindness, God, to everyone in this room. Jesus. Jesus. Maybe you're here today and uh, you don't walk with Jesus for whatever reasons. But you sense this overwhelming urge and need to begin to walk with him, to begin this relationship. If you're standing somewhere in this room and God is calling you, God is saying, come, open the door, follow me. You don't have to know what that's going to look like. You don't have to have all your ducks in a row. You don't have to have everything cleaned up or figured out. But if you're here today and you just say, I, I want to follow Jesus. I want to begin to follow him. Doesn't matter where you're sitting, in the front, the back, left, right, doesn't matter. I want you just to raise your hand really high. If that's what you want to do today. You want to begin to follow him today. Anybody here, that's what you want. God, I'm tired of playing around. I want to follow you. I'm, I'm, I'm done with, with my own self. I just want to follow you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. that are at these altars just spending time in prayer. Pray your blessing over them, God. Lord, you see the, the, the door they're opening and saying, God, I invite you in. Lord, I invite you into every area, every part, every place. God, I'm just grateful for their hearts for you and I pray blessing over them. I pray that you would speak clearly speak definitively to them about, about a certain matter. God, make things clear, understandable. Give them power that they need to be able to follow you. Pour your spirit out on them in an incredible way. Oh, we honor you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you, Lord. This is what I'd like to do for those that are praying. Please continue to pray. Continue to, to call on Jesus' name. And for those of, of us that are standing today, I want to pray a blessing over you. And uh, when I'm done praying, you're dismissed. Lord, thank you. God, I thank you for your spirit that works and moves in our hearts and lives. I thank you for your spirit that, that constantly draws us to you. And I pray that in the lives of your people today, that if there is a, if there is a nugget, if there is a, an aspect of this, if this is just flat out true of our life, Lord, give us the courage to own it. And God, give us the boldness to come to you, to, to allow your spirit to move and to work in us in a powerful way. God, help us to be people that, 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 um, that hear your voice, that hear your voice, but not just hear it, as we read earlier, but our deeds match that we have heard it. Let that be true. Lord, bless your people today. 
in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. Hey, God bless you today. Have an incredible weekend. Be safe. And we'll look forward to seeing you on Wednesday night.